My name is Dimitri, and I'm a productivity and minimalism enthusiast. I'm Chance. I'm a philosophy and ethics enthusiast. And you're listening to the Rise Productive Podcast. The show where productivity meets philosophy. And what it means to build a better life. Enjoy the show. You know, you're wearing a college shirt. I'm wearing a college shirt and nobody can appreciate it. No one can appreciate it because we stopped doing the video because we wanted to reduce our friction. We're minimalists. What can we say? Wow. Is that what you is that what you think the definition of minimalism is? <laughs> is that is that really where we're going with this? Yep, this is gonna be a fun and interesting hour, people. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing well, Dimitri. Um been a been a bit of a little bit of a gymnastics type of week, going to a couple different appointments. I went downtown yesterday, went up to Evanston oh, okay. today, just hitting some different like doctor's appointments, saw a dietitian. So kind of like a, a lot of ad hoc tasks going on. But um, other than that, it's been a pretty solid week. Really can't complain. We're, dude, I graduate in a month. Yo, what? Yeah, I'm, I'm like, I walk on stage in like 33 days and I'm like, what? Dude, you're asking me to borrow my, borrow my cap and gown and I'm like, dude, when, you're not even graduating for like another two months. Why are you bothering? That was, and then I'm like, you just said that. I'm like, oh my God, it's next month? It's surreal. Um, yeah, I, I think, um, this you, you, time goes by really quick when you have a really busy semester, but it's just equally true when you're doing nothing. I have just been, I guess I've been filling my time with non-academic things, doing stuff for Rice Productive, upping my game in athletics mm. and doing all these ad hoc tasks. But um, yeah, I mean, I've just been filling my time just as I have any other semester and it has flown. All of a sudden I'm done with undergraduate and going to law school. What, when do you graduate? What date? Uh, May 10th. I'm writing that down. Is it like at night or in the day? It's during the day. You know, we're a job. Oh, that's unfortunate. <laughs> Who's, all right. Ah, it's I'm okay. Gonna, ah, you, you know what? You know what? I'm not mad about a review because people review this podcast. And I want to say, if you guys are new to this podcast, welcome to the Rise Productive Podcast. And we read reviews from people who say nice things to us. So I just wanted to say really quickly before we dive too much into here. If you like what you listen to in the jibber jabber, we're going to actually talk about real things and a review of people hearing us talk about real things is from AML19 exclamation point. It's titled beautiful. This was amazing. I love how the podcasters podcasts, the ideas and topics that they discuss beautiful. It's thought provoking and a blast to listen to. Thank you. We, we appreciate that. Thank you. AML. Thank you for, the beautiful review of our beautiful <laughs> podcast. And if you want to get your podcast re- reviewed, or not your podcast, if you want to have your <laughs> review read on the podcast, on the respective podcast, be sure to leave a review of this or any episode with your thoughts, questions, or hot takes about our hot takes. Yeah, I don't think I've ever, you or I have ever been able to say that properly. The review, your re- read oh, your yeah. review. Yeah, I don't know why I get that so backwards in my mind. We're 10 episodes in and and you know, the nice thing is if you guys really are fans of the podcast, just a quick aside, going into how I'm doing because life's crazy. <laughs> I'm doing a lot of brainstorming uh, once a month or about a week out of the month. I'll do a lot of sales funnel stuff. Right now I'm working on a course for Todoist, so get ready for that. But Chance and I are working through some things and uh, newsflash, in a little bit of time, 
undisclosed because I don't want to set a timeline we're not ready for. We're going to uh, up the Rise Productive game. We're thinking of bringing premium content to the podcast. Whoop, whoop. So that's going to be a fun one. We're, for those of you that are the super fans, we don't know what your nicknames are going to be yet. Just like how uh, Patreons for the Minimalists are called simpletons. I <laughs> don't know what to call people who will join our little group, but you know, we're going to make more content for you guys. These episodes will be probably twice as long and maybe we'll add another productive brew. No promises, but we will add more content to you guys or similar to like a Patreon fee. So I'm excited about this idea. Yeah. I don't know what the name will be. We got to get a sick name, just like a Harry Potter and all those things have cool names. I don't know if the risers will work. That just doesn't feel right to me. The Brewers. I'm the just, Brewers, no, that's yeah. A, what that's are a we? Team. <laughs> my Milwaukee. My Giannis. Giannis. The other, I'm the other Greek guy. <laughs> um, no, yeah, life's good, man. It's like, it's crazy. I like finally am making and filming a course and editing it. I'm really excited for that because I have been thinking about making a course and having an audience to even make a course for for years. So that's fun. Uh, work's been pretty solid. The busy season is been over for a little while so i'm like not dead Mm -hmm. which is very good we like being alive uh i i've been sleeping a little bit more don't want to give too much away but in the last week i actually averaged seven hours of sleep yeah you look good you look good you look like you got some good rest don't see those bags in the eyes i haven't had the singe in about four days the singe i'm still horrified about the singe now that we've read (laughs) why we sleep go check out that (laughs) review if you're intrigued more about this little detour here but that that is uh that's scary stuff i'm glad you're getting good sleep you're gonna tell people about the the big notion news here are you gonna oh i forgot i how could i forget biggest day of my life bar none when i have a child when i get married all of these (laughs) things will pale in comparison to the day that notion the youtube channel of the official notion account subscribed my youtube channel whoop, whoop. i almost cried that's insane that's that's top tier stuff right there ladies and gentlemen getting the official subscription you think they hit the bell of notion oh i i, I hope they hit the bell <laughs> it's it's amazing because i actually have it just blows my mind that this is the case because i don't feel i warrant a subscription from any of these people i have a subscription from notion the app I use every day. Keep Productive, the number one productivity app YouTube channel on YouTube. And Minimal Mom, who's like the <laughs> third or fourth largest minimalist YouTuber. I'm like, how? I have no idea. Do I deserve it? Probably not. Yeah, I won't act like I know what fame is like or anything like that, but I think when you have those vanity metrics, they feel good, and at the, but at the same time, they're not very concrete. There's nothing really to attach that number to. Besides like what other people are doing in terms of their numbers, which is also still just so subjective. But when something like Notions page subscribing to your YouTube channel, it's like, wow, okay. There's like a set of eyes on me that I really care about. Like that that accounts for so much more than any kind like of number. Out of, yeah. Like out of context, a $10 billion company's YouTube channel subscribed to my YouTube channel. What? Yeah, $10 billion. I never realized they were worth that much. 
Yeah, they, they're valued at that. They had a equity put in them that valued had the company valued at ten billion bucks. And I'm like, um, I don't deserve this. Am I am I like one of you guys now? Am I am I like one of those notion people? Like literally, like when people no, I'm just kidding, probably not. I'm not there yet. I still think a lot of people are ahead of me in the notion game, but it's just like it's weird. It feels good. I'm grateful. Um and I think going into a nice segue would be the quote of the week, which is you know, pretty much radiating, I feel like, with our vibes right now. We're both in good moods. It's not how much we have, but how much we enjoy that makes happiness. Charles Spurgeon. And I really like this quote because when it comes to the podcast and us vibing, like, things have been been good. And I feel like since you've, you've maybe turned more into a minimalist, I'm not sure um, whether you, you are probably more than before you met me. It's it's all about the time that we have. I was thinking about this from a couple of perspectives because another big thing for me is, you know, not to get too much into financials, but I've been listening to a lot of personal finance YouTube recently and I did get some pay bumps and I am earning more income on the side. So I decided to, on top of maxing out my Roth, I'm putting another 500 bucks aside to invest into the S&P um, on recurring uh, billing, sort of like just taking the money and putting it into my investment account every month. And I was sitting, I was talking with Chance texting a lot lately and I was like you know retirement check if I literally do this for the the rest of my life I'll have more than enough money to retire on so it's like at this point my fulfillment is going to be made if I make like equal if not a little bit more income probably because more expenses will occur my fulfillment will come with how much time I spend on the things I enjoy I get minimal benefit out of physical items Outside of what I already have, I can't imagine being more fulfilled with a different car. Uh, the o- the literal only physical thing that would bring me for fulfillment would be a house for myself. Yeah. Having your own place would definitely be uh, yeah. the only upgrade I can imagine for you. But I like this quote. I definitely agree with a lot of things you were saying there. To how much we have, how much we enjoy. The first thing this called me to was actually, um, and this is me always getting so touchy-feely, is... This from like a, a social standpoint, I was talking mm. with my boy AG the other day and I was like, yeah, Dimitri's coming down to to hang out. And he's like, oh, Dimitri and Chance, the wombo combo. And I was like, yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, another year of, combo. I mean, it's almost been another year of being good friends doing this now. And um, it's like, wow, like we've spent less time together than ever. We don't live together anymore. We're not on the team together anymore, but it feels that yeah. this friendship is just growing at a exponential rate. And so it's been really nice to enjoy. Mm-hmm. I think we're just super intentional with our time, similar to the way you've uh, been going through some intentional financial moves recently, which has also been really exciting. I can't wait to be uh, a paid adult someday, making me jealous over here. It's it's weird, right? Getting an income and like not having crazy expenses now. I'm very grateful. Like, and we're going to talk about minimalizing your life and the benefits it can have for you. But I truly think minimalism, I'm probably going to make a course on some point at like personal finance simplified and like go at it from a minimalism point of view. But not having a lot of things and overhead is just frees up so much i can quite literally not care like i have a bunch of money i'm putting like a lot of money out down on a student loan that was pretty small but i'm putting a lot of that i have a 400 hundred dollar car payment 
but I'm also investing that much a month and I'm saving another grand or so. So it's like, I'm not, I'm just, I'm not making a crazy amount of money, but I have so little things to worry about that it's literally three or four things. So it's like, hands off, this is what minimalism can do for me. But the question is, is Chance a minimalist? Is he becoming <laughs> a minimalist? And I, before we get into that conversation, I actually want to set the stage here because you make a really good point about how minimalism is playing into your favor from a financial standpoint. And I think one of the biggest things that you didn't hit on is the fact that you're just not a consumer. That you have that oh, temptation yeah, to just throw your money at fast fashion or cheap thrills or whatever it may be. You live a very stoic, intentional, and minimal lifestyle. And that is um, definitely something not to be ignored. It's not just only where you're putting your money, it's where you're not putting your money. And so I think it'd be nice if we uh, kind of set the stage here and you kind of went through your minimalist journey whenever that started. I imagine that's probably around the time you started the YouTube channel as well. But kind of walk uh, walk the audience through that one because you're definitely going to be the expert on this conversation. It was a dark day in... Okay, I got to check when it was posted. Was it a dark day in black, white, and shades of gray? Do I look like the kind of guy who knows what the heck you're talking about? (laughs) Is that a reference to something? I was trying to... to be cultured? Isn't that like how the minimalists are? They're like, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's something... Joshua Field Melbourne looks like a lizard person. Lizard person. Um, (laughs) That's your joke. Um, Love uh, Joshua Field Melbourne. Anyways, so October 2018, A Day in the Life of a Minimalist came out. It was going viral, so a couple weeks after it came out, probably late November, I had the YouTube gods bless me with the biceps that were Matt Diavella. And I was sitting there in my bed after having watched First Take and ESPN clips for three hours straight, running on four hours of sleep after my latest World of Warcraft binge. I was like, man, you guys got nice biceps. But besides that, this is a really dumb video I'm going to click off. And then about two weeks later, the algorithms shoved his biceps into my face again. And I said, really, YouTube? I've only <laughs> been watching ESPN for the past week. Why are you recommending me this video? This makes no, you know what? I'm going to click on it. And I clicked on it. And the next thing I knew, I was entranced with the B-roll and was like, oh my God, wait. This guy doesn't have anything? What do you mean you don't have anything? <laughs> oh, wait, it's a, it's a skit. Oh, wait. And then I get into it and I learn more about minimalism by watching all of Matt Diavella's videos. I learn about the minimalists and their blog and their podcasts. And the next thing I know, I'm really starting to learn how to build my life from this Tim Ferriss perspective of like, you can make money online. I don't know this is a thing. So I start video editing. I get into that. I don't go directly into minimalism yet. And then... I get into it a lot more during the pandemic of 2020. So about a year passes and I get more intentional. I go to school my senior year before the pandemic happened, like fall of 2019. And I only bring a certain set of clothes to school. Like I only have a a rotation of like five five, uh, outfits. Uh, And then, but they're not all the same color really. And then I get into the pandemic year and I just go, Mom, I'm going back to college for one last year. I'm really in love with this idea of only having black shirts and gray shirts and everything's going to match. 
because I hate my wardrobe. I actually was going to go to hang out with you guys for the 4th of July. <laughs> and that was my breaking point because um, not only did you put bikes in my room, but... Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the bike room. This this clown put oh, a bunch man. of bikes in my room and I wasn't moved in yet. Anyways, I was pissed because going to be there for three days due to the way that my laundry had taken place and that I had a couple things in the laundry. Uh, I had a full closet because I was home and I couldn't find two outfits to put together because they weren't able to match. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. I'm getting rid of anything in my closet and getting gray shirts. This is stupid. So I go to Old Navy and buy, you've seen the cargo shorts. I've, I bought two <laughs> pairs of cargo shorts that were gray, two pairs that were uh, khaki, and then I bought 12 black slash gray shirts for a total of like 80 bucks. And it was my entire wardrobe for $80 because Old Navy had a sale where there were five bucks a piece and, or a hundred in total if you include the shorts, I think. Mm -hmm. And I go into this journey and I barely bring anything to school in comparison to what I had before. And I just go full blown minimalist by every week getting rid of things and the next thing i know when i move into this apartment after i'd gotten rid of a bunch of stuff i am free from a physical standpoint and i've been doing this thing consistently where every little while i'll go through and just remove things from my life i'll just be like i don't really need this anymore and i'll just donate it or sell it or honestly chuck it if it's pretty much garbage my physical space then turned into a clear mental space, which has given me the ability to work so much more than I was able to before and feel so much better about my damn closet because Lord knows I haven't thought about what to wear in almost two years and it is great. Sorry, that was long. <laughs> no, that was good. I want to hit on a couple points there. I remember the my first interaction with your minimalism was when you and I would actually record the podcast Every time I'd walk into your room, you'd be like, oh, wow. Did you have to like put that outfit together? Or did you have to like put that shirt on? <laughs> and I was like, you, you are annoying for this. <laughs> and I even remember on old double episodes, I would go and change my shirt because we used to have the video. And yeah. I didn't want people to know that we were recording two in the same session, which looking back, who cares? Actually, who cares? But... <laughs> I was new to the internet and I was scared, you know, I was a little shy. So I, w I always envied that a little bit. That I was like, man, I got to go put on a different shirt and he doesn't have to do that. So I remember just that. Chilling. Yeah, you were chilling. I, and I, I kind of respected it. And um, yeah, I mean, the other thing I, I want to hit on is that from a closed perspective, I do struggle with the minimalism. I don't think it's the only thing that's about it, but I think it's like that and like slow pour over coffee that everyone thinks about when they think of minimalism. <laughs> and I, mm -hmm. I only do one of those things occasionally. I don't do the, the black gray shirts. Um, and yeah, but I, I do think I want to, I want to use this episode to defend myself a little bit in terms of being a minimalist in some other ways, because I have done that cleaning that you've talked about where you kind of go through every now and then and you try to minimize your space. I think that's so important. I've done that with my desk space as one example. But I will say that it's not something I have as a concrete habit yet. It's more 
so the way I used to treat meditating where I only meditated in my, in my uh, first and second year of college. I only meditated when I hit a breaking point when like yeah. things were going bad and I was like, okay, I need to sit here and meditate. And it's similar to how I treat minimalism right now in, in terms of like a, a clothes uh, situation, especially like I look at my clothes and I'm like, man, I, I hate all these shirts. And then I just start throwing them out. I mean, I threw out a bunch of shirts last fall. I probably gave away 10 shirts because I just like looked at these shirts and I was like, I hate these. I don't even wear these anymore. And I gave them to people and yeah. people really are finding value in them. So it was empowering, but I need to get back on that. You know, I got to say something about the word minimalism. So I would actually say that it's more intentionalism than what like the word minimalism is. So minimalism is living with intention from a physical and digital and mental standpoint. So if you're being intentional with like the clothing you do have by eventually by getting rid of some things, that's good. If you're not like going and buying more things, I mean, minimalism is cliche with the black and gray shirts. But there is actually an African-American woman who did a TED talk that was like, I am a different minimalist. And she showed how she was colorful. And it was actually really nice because I'm like, you know what? Thank God. Like, wouldn't one of y'all people like one of us, <laughs> us, like it's like a community. Like kind of is one of us actually has taste. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And like, sometimes I'm just like, <laughs> listen to the minimalist podcast. And I'm like, you guys are just boring. Like, you guys just put on this black gray shirts. And I'm like, okay, it's fine. But like, there are like, I like the word intentionalism. We're going to write this book about intentionalism someday because it needs to be flushed out a little bit more as yes, there needs to be rules. I am totally on board with the minimalist in terms of like, you have to set the line somewhere and they have set it clearly in like a strict spot, but you have to mm-hmm. leave room open for people's creativity and culture in some cases and I think if you <laughs> just li- limit it to the shades of gray, you're removing so much, you know, happiness and creativity that you can have in that space. And I think that's part of the reason why I struggle with the clothes part is because I find utility in a lot of the clothes I wear, but they're also a creative outlet in a lot of ways. Here's a hot take, and maybe you haven't considered this. So this is a common thing in fashion. People do this thing where they'll have color palettes uh, and they'll do like capsule wardrobes, which I really like from a few perspectives. It's something that I could do if I took a capsule wardrobe and duplicated it three times and just had like, you know, the same amount of shirts I have and pants and whatnot. I could do the exact same thing, but with a capsule wardrobe where everything matched. But you know what I find to be the case? Not for me, because I would be able to do it. Not trying to judge here, but. I don't understand quite what the point of a capsule wardrobe is if you're just going to rotate it. Like, (laughs) I I don't get it. Like, are you trying to always not have to figure out what you're wearing, but also change the color schemes often, which I could sort of get. However, from from a quantity of things standpoint, I refuse to believe makes sense because it's like, what are you doing with that space? Like you're just putting it somewhere and you just don't use it for like a third of the year. Is it that intentional if a third of the time you're not using it? Because unlike with a snowblower, where it has its season due to the outside (laughs) perspective of the world having snow at one point of the year, you're arbitrarily changing the color palette because you feel like the winter feels more like a, 
like a whatever color vibe. I, I can't see colors. <laughs> uh, and the fall is more of an orange vibe because I hear that's what they use in the fall. And I'm like, excuse me, that's arbitrary. There is literally no reason you picked that color for the fall. Why do you have three quarters of your wardrobe hidden somewhere? That's the exact same thing as having too much clothes. Yeah, I'll agree with that. I'll agree with that. If you have pieces that function the same way and it's just a matter of color, just get more universal colors. Like I'm trying to really uh-huh. get into like green this year because I got gifted like a, a green ring and like a green hat and then a green jacket all for Christmas. I said, like, I'm getting into green this year and now I'm just buying pieces that like make sense with this green and I can rock this green fall, spring or winter because what about in the summer, summer? it's just, it's just like, it's like the snowblower. Like I'm not going to wear a, 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 a jacket, it's a shirt jacket. When it's 90 oh, degrees out. Oh, a shacket. Yeah. But what about, why don't you continue the trend, but with your other summer clothing? Oh, Pick I think I will. What it, like, do your favorite color palette, but the whole year. It's like, why are we arbitrarily changing it based off what the community says? Like, oh, I can't wear white after Labor Day. Oh, I don't listen to any of that faux pas. It's like, what is that? It's like, who says that? What are, we, what are we, the Bee Gees? Like, what are, what are we, we, we wore white tuxedos and then we scared everybody off? Yeah, it's so ridiculous. And I think this gets into why I do think that even though I don't wear black and gray shirts, I think in some sense, I am a minimalist. Mm. And I want to pull out the, the minimalist handbook here. It's like their free ebook, the, the Minimalist 16 Rules for How to Be a Minimalist. One of the mm-hmm. rules is the no junk rule, which distinguishes between essential, non-essential, and junk items. And so essential items are pretty clear, just things that you really just couldn't live without. I'll leave that there. Non-essentials, mm-hmm. um, I'll be quoting the, the book here. Non-essentials, strictly speaking, I, do, I don't need a couch, a bookshelf, or a dining table in my living room. But these items enhance amplify or augment my experience of life contrasting this with junk which they say quote these are the artifacts we like or more accurately think we like but they don't serve a purpose or bring us joy end quote and so when you talk about something like having not wearing light white after labor day that's just a situation where that doesn't bring a lot of people joy to not do that it is completely doing the opposite of augmenting your life or amplifying your life. It is decreasing your happiness, inconveniencing you for absolutely no reason. It's just a faux pas. And so change your color palette as we were saying. And I think that's something that I do. I'm buying pieces from a clothing standpoint, and we're going to move away from clothes here in a second. But from a clothes standpoint, I buy things I think would make sense for the majority of the year, kind of following the 90-90 rule that I want to get into later. And from a non-close perspective, I'm trying to fi- follow this uh, this 30-hour rule they have, where it's this idea that if the item costs $30 or more, you have to give it 30 hours before you buy it. And so oh, okay. I have a I actually have a running list of things that I need to upgrade my life with. And I have this list running, and it's been sitting there for so long because I've come to this place where I could buy a cheaper version of a thing. Like there's an example is um, I really need a razor. I've been growing out my mustache and um, <laughs> it needs to be trimmed. 
but I don't want to get a, a crappy little razor that's going to bail out on me here. I want to get a nice electrical razor that's going to last a while. And so I'm kind of like doing my research a little bit here and taking my time because I want to get something that's going to last me for life, something that actually amplifies my experience of life rather than something that's just going to be sitting on the shelf. I don't like using it and it doesn't end up bringing me joy. This is good. This is a good segue into some things. So you you tackled something important there. This is an intentional purchase. This is a minimalist purchase, what you're doing. From a minimalist standpoint, you're taking the effort to find an intentional use of a good razor rather than just quickly buying something for the sake of, oh, monkey brain, I need to buy it. That's that's not being in an intentional slash minimalist mindset. And I think the the three categories you laid build out are really good. So essentials, non-essentials, and junk. A big thing that I see with people is that I personally, as a minimalist, sounding all Gushfields, Milburn right now, um, <laughs> see those three categories probably different than most people. And I think uniquely what, from my perspective, is different is non-essentials are needed. And, or sorry, non-essentials aren't needed, but you know everyone's going to have non-essentials like a dining room table, like a bookshelf. But the key is to strategically have every non-essential really be non-essential and not junk that we're convincing ourselves is in the non-essential category. And on top of that, the non-essentials also are small form factor, have room for storage for those other non-essentials that can be neatly tucked away and that don't have aren't clutter causing. For example, in my room in college and now you recall, I I mean, I didn't have like not a lot of stuff, but everything in there was like required, were required for recording or working or sleeping. And even my ottoman that I have, that's that black thing. It has a bunch of things in there, but it to my room, in my room, it doesn't look like I have a whole lot of things because even my essentials were compact or, or even my non-essentials were compact. Like essentials is like, you, you're going to have to live in a place. It's like a thing. You to live <laughs> right. In, what a, yeah but like when it comes to that ottoman rather than having a place that would be filled with small chairs well why wouldn't you just have the same size space thing like we live in a three-dimensional world right <laughs> we make the most of those three dimensions rather than having a chair sit somewhere have an ottoman that's the same size left to right as it would be vertically, but the space in there is capable of storing some small things. And then the whole place is a little bit more cluttered and it's a little bit more clean. That's an intentional purchase. Me just putting a chair in there because like, oh, someone might sit in my room from time to time. That's silly from a minimalist <laughs> perspective. Yeah, I will say you're getting at something good here, which is that a lot of non-essentials and this is just like a little epiphany I'm having here. It's kind of a small point, but a lot of non-essentials are either for storage or easily storable. Like a bookshelf is, yes, not essential, but it's organizing your life. It's being more intentional with your life. And I think it kind of sits on the border for the minimalist, but I almost see them as essential from a um, intentionalism standpoint because it's a tool. It, I almost see it as a means to an end here of being more organized. If you don't have that bookshelf, 
well, you have two options. You can get rid of all your books, which I guess maybe the minimalist would be happy about. Probably not. I, yeah, I think they like the Kindle, quest though. for knowledge. Yeah, maybe they would say get a Kindle, whatever. But someone who likes at least some physical books, at least some of my favorites, I like having them in the physical form. I think something like a non-essential bookshelf almost becomes an essential for an intentionalist because you need something to do with that those knowledge pieces that you have. Yeah, that's very fair. Like, once again, the example of the Ottoman, though it's like multifunctional things mm-hmm. are so important because the list of non-essentials actually gets really small when you do that. Like, I moved out of my house and I messed around with my um, recording setup. And I even figure it out sometimes, too, that I'm not as good as I could be with things. Like, my mom's pointed out, like, well, why don't you just do this rather than buying this other thing that'll fix the problem? Like, why don't you just make this, like, minor tweak and then you'll not have to buy the thing? And I'm like, oh, my God, that that solves the problem. And it's looking for that in the non-essentials because non-essentials really do make your life better in a lot of ways. Um, like here's an example on my desk is an Ikea plant, like a potted plant, like a fake potted plant. <laughs> it brings me a little bit of like, uh, I'm not just stuck in my basement. And also it holds my audio, uh, what's it called? Audio, not yeah. Audio mixer for my microphone from Ooh. falling to the ground. I could get a strap and strap the audio mixer to my desk and also have a plant, but instead I just put the plant in the corner so that it locks the thing minimizing the thing and biophilic design all three one function or sorry three functions one thing you do that with your non-essentials then you start figuring out oh my god this world i live in is like if i get some quality things and put them in the right place rather than getting three bad things that'll break down I will have less things, less mm-hmm. clutter, more mental space, more physical space. Yeah, and we're going to get into the mental space. I, I think that's one of the most fruitful and interesting parts of minimalism. But um, I want to ask you here about the uh, the 90-90 rule or the, the seasonality rule. As I was digging into this rule book, I thought this was one of the better rules. Um, so the 90-90 rule is the idea that have you used this thing in the past 90 days? If no... Or are you going to use this thing in the next 90 days? If no, again, then throw it away. And I want to ask, mm. is this a rule that you've applied to anything in your life? I'm assuming, I remember this is actually interesting. They were um, elaborating on this in one of their podcasts. They were saying how this one girl would forget when the last time she wore a lot of her clothes was. So on the start of the new year, she turned all of her clothes inside out and then applied the 90-90 rule. And found that a lot of the items went untouched for like six months. And she just ended up throwing them away. Which I thought was a really cool idea. But I imagine this doesn't fit from a close perspective for you. So is there any items that maybe fit this rule for you? Perhaps when you did the the 30-day challenge, which I also want to get into. I actually did this uh, when I was getting rid of my wardrobe. So... uh. I didn't do the challenge per se, but I had an, or the 90, 90 rule, but I mm-hmm. had an epiphany about long sleeve shirts. Did you recall that I actually had, I own no long sleeve shirts 
that weren't running related. Oh yeah, you never had a long sleeve like gray or black shirt. I don't own them because in my opinion, they don't have a season. Hot take. Hot take. I know. But if you wear a <laughs> short sleeve and a sweatshirt, it's the same thing. You you should not own long sleeve shirts that aren't dress shirts, in my opinion. Or you should not own sweatshirts. Because they're like the same thing. How are you that much warm? You're like this much warmer because the sleeve length's a little bit longer and you have the sweatshirt <laughs> on? Are you being real with me right now? No, you're not. I'm just kidding. I don't want to be this rude. I'm just I'm joshing. <laughs> but that's, that's how I ended up figuring out that I'm like, I'm not that much warmer with the adults, like extra sleeve length. And then my mom's like, you can't get rid of all your long sleeves. That's ridiculous. I'm like, I'm just going to wear a sweatshirt. Yeah, you know, I never thought about that. I never realized that was a minimalist thing. And um, now do you say that, I think my only defense is that I'm a lanky guy and long sleeves really uh, do wonders for my body. And so, <laughs> oh, wow. but I'm not going to die on this hill. I'm not going to sit here and act like there's any real reason other than that for why I have long sleeves. So, uh, checkmate on that one, I guess. But um, yeah, do you want to get into the your 30-day challenge? I almost forgot. You never made a video on this, but you did it. Kind of did it. I, did I make a video on it? I don't I believe think I you did. did. No, I didn't, maybe. I think wow, you talked did about I? it on a video, but you oh, made you know no what? explicit video about it. I got halfway through editing it and then I switched to my productivity app strategy. Mm-hmm, exactly. This is when supposed you did the to be posted. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I did a 30 day minimalism challenge guys. Newsflash. I failed. Uh, but I helped my parents, uh, get it to 400, but we did in like two and a half months, but to be fully transparent, I have done a 30 day minimalism game in one go two or three other times when I got rid of all my clothing and a bunch of my stuff in the summer of 2020, I got rid of like 500 items guaranteed. And then I did that actually when I moved out from college, I got rid of a ridiculous amount of things I didn't even realize I had. And then I tried to do it again in the fall and I'm at the lowest point of items I've ever owned since being born. And I'm kind of in a spot where like things will accumulate. I'll probably just do another perch at some point in like two years. But I do get into a habit of getting rid of things, but the 30 day minimalism game is this step one, day one, find a partner if possible. And I was doing it with my parents and every day of the month, what you're going to do is you and the partner individually will find items in your life and donate, throw out or sell them. And you follow the days of the month and the first through the 30th, every single day you match the number of things you get rid of to the number of days in the month that you're at. So day one, one thing you get rid of, March 2nd, two things, March 3rd, three things, et cetera, to 30. And the first few weeks, or the first two weeks, it's pretty easy. And then it gets hard, especially around week three, <laughs> you start getting like 21 items in a day. And I just get to the point by three weeks in, I'm like, it's impossible, I'm done. I, I can't, I, I literally can't get rid of anything else. It would actually tie or get rid of a lot of non-essentials that actually really do give me value. Um, so it was hard the third time I did it. Uh, but it's, it's really difficult to do it in general because there's a mindset shift that has to occur. 
Um, there's a there's a tip that Ryan Nicodemus talks about a lot, which is the spontaneous combustion rule. Have I told you about this? No, I I know a little bit lab, about it, but you should elaborate. So what really helped me and helped my parents was basically if the thing in front of you that you can't decide whether you're going to get rid of would spontaneously combust, it wasn't your fault, it would just explode, wouldn't cause any harm to you or anyone around you, but it would just explode for no reason, would you be pleased by that circumstance? <laughs> and if the answer is, heck yeah, yeah, I don't want this thing in front of me, but I don't really want to get rid of it because like someone gave it to me and there's like not really sentimental value, but maybe there's sentimental value to them and it would be awkward. Those things, y'all know what the hell I'm talking about. Those things, <laughs> this rule works wonders on you. Like, oh yeah, I ran track in high school. Do I really care about this anymore outside of one jersey? No, not really. There you go. Like toss it. And you're like, you would never toss it, but think to toss it beforehand. But if you have this pile of 10 jerseys from high school track, because for some reason you had that many versions of your jersey, and you were like, yeah, I want one, but I don't want to get rid of the other ones. Okay, what if these spontaneously combusted? I'd be really happy if these were just off my hands. <laughs> okay, donate them. Simple as that. You know, and I really like this rule. I was never able to put the language to it, but I kind of heard about it on their podcast and you elaborated in a really nice way, but it is a whole mindset shift. And I think this maybe isn't something that's covered as much on the minimalist, but I think putting yourself in a situation where you almost back yourself into a corner and you have to make that spontaneous combustion mindset happen can be super powerful. And whether you're a college student or I'll talk about my experience here, but I moved into a smaller apartment room this year. I was in a bigger room last yeah. year didn't like it. There was too much storage space that I didn't actually use. And if I did find a way to use it, it was unnecessarily. It was filling it with junk. Certainly not non-essentials. And um, I moved into the smallest bedroom of our new apartment that I currently live in because I wanted to put myself and back myself into a corner and say, well, what can I get rid of? What do I have to get rid of? And I gained a little bit of the spontaneous combustion mindset because I had to. I had, <laughs> I just physically had too many things that would not fit in the square feet yeah. of this room. And I didn't want things to just exist in common areas because that's inconvenient for me and just rude to my roommates. And so I ended up throwing up a, a good amount of yeah. stuff out even before I got into this apartment. I remember I was just sitting there with my partner and we were like, yeah, we got to get rid of this stuff. Like, it's not going to go to your new place. It's not going to fit. Just get rid of it now. And I was like, really? I got rid of like two pairs of shoes. I got rid yeah. of some more clothes, a couple items that used to exist on my desk and no longer do. And I thought a good way, good amount of stuff, but I think it was so crucial and it's certainly not. It's just funny because the, the spontaneous combustion is just like the perfect language of it. It's like, yeah, I'm not going to get rid of it, but if it just happened to disappear, I wouldn't even mind. I'd be unfazed if someone like robbed yes. me and that's the only thing they took. You'd be like, oh, that's a good one. We should have another side analogy to that. I like that a lot. <laughs> a side analogy that the uh, spontaneous uh, r robbing rule, the spontaneous <laughs> burglar, the, the burglar rule. It's like yeah. if someone would burglar this item, would you be upset? I mean, not really. No, it's like if someone stole my high school jerseys, 
but left one of them, I'd be like, oh, hell yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, that's perfect. perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Someone took it off my hands. That's great. Yeah, it's perfect. And uh, it, it, it really just shows that how positive momentum works here because it really does just take some kind of catalyst for you to get that going. And so as someone who's gone through this 30-day challenge a couple times, I think the reason that you haven't completed is probably because you've moved around a couple times and you had, you've tried it. Did you try it at college and at home? I mentioned about doing it at college, but the thing is I realized I couldn't because I had even all, begin? I had nowhere to begin because I brought so little to school. And then when I moved back home, I went balls to the wall again on the stuff that was at home because I'm like, if I'm going to live here for a couple of years, like, anything that's here that doesn't bring value to me is gone. And mm-hmm. I did the spontaneous combustion thing. And then I, it's like, I went through layers of this because it's really hard to break yourself about things that have this level of emotional value to you. Because a lot of things you attach yourself more to than you realize, even though you haven't seen it in years. It took me three attempts to get rid of those high school jerseys. And it was I trained the spontaneous combustion muscle. I'm like, every single time, the threshold just got easier because it became a habit. Like, here's an example. I was delivered a really interesting uh, looking and nice looking scarf uh, from work Mm -hmm. um, for our 15th company anniversary. And um, by the time people had received it and been able to talk about how they received it, at work, I had already given it away. <laughs> and everyone was like, what do you mean you don't have it? Did you not get one? I'm like, no, I did. <laughs> and everyone was just like, wait a sec, I'm so confused right now. What, where is it? I'm like, it's at Goodwill. Oh my and they're God. like, you got that yesterday. I'm like, yeah, I don't like things. <laughs> and they just were just baffled that I got rid of it before I could even say thank you. <laughs> and I'm like, I didn't ask for this. I work hard here. I didn't ask for this. You know I don't like things and you gave me things. This reminds me of like the Christmas vacation where you get some like the the year membership to like the whatever like the muffin shop or whatever. It's like just give me my Christmas bonus next time. Don't don't mess with the scarf or the the bonus membership to a cupcake shop. Exactly. And it's it's nothing against them. I think the sentiment <laughs> is great. But I was just like no, I don't it, it was it was so sad because I think I the only thing that was kept was the fidget spinner that my mom like messes around with sometimes because, <laughs> because like there was a uh, milk chocolate uh, what's it called cocoa uh, hot cocoa balls like the mm-hmm. the sorry the hot chocolate balls that like the bombs that you drop and like make hot chocolate with and they were really nice and they looked delicious and I was on one of my usual like I'm quitting dessert until further notice kicks. And so I literally got rid of everything but the fidget spinner within a minute. I see the box and my mom's like, you want the scarf? No. You want these, uh, these chocolate bombs? No. Can I give them to Joey? My little, my little cousin. Can I give them to Joey? He, he'll, he wants them for, he'll, he'll probably like it for Christmas. It was like in the fall, right? I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> Everyone was just like, you don't have anything that we gave you? I'm like, nah, why would I, why would I do that? <laughs> You just whip out the fidget spinner and start spinning in front of him. Yeah, I kept this old guy. What a child. What a childish move. That is funny. But getting to the point that I wanted to make here, um, 
that was a nice tangent though. I won't, I don't regret it. Um, you've gone on this challenge three times, which I think, as I say, even though you didn't complete it once, I think the second and third time, it only makes a lot of sense that you weren't able to complete it. It's a testament to how little you have, not your willpower, your ego to that holds on to these things. Yeah. So since you've started it three times, what is your advice for starting positive momentum? And what are, where should people start? What is like the first thing that I should get rid of? Do something similar to the 99 year old and look for things that you haven't used in a while. And this, this is the smallest of things. Like people have stuff sitting around. I will never get this. I'm napkin boy, but outside of my napkins, I don't have anything sitting on places like randomly. <laughs> I, I got a clean slate. If you got something sitting around, like I got napkins sitting everywhere, like just on your desk and it's like a paperclip or something, just throw it in the, throw in the damn recycling right now. It's ridiculous. Like, why has that rubber band been sitting there on your desk for three weeks? <laughs> like, who the who, who told you you couldn't get rid of that? It's like, well, I might need it for later. Later is a theoretical date that will not come. And if it comes, you can go get a damn rubber band from somewhere else. Okay? <laughs> okay. There is a theoretical world where you need that turtleneck that's yellow. But you know what? That world is not a world I want to live in. So just get rid of the yellow turtleneck. Those kind of things. Like if you haven't worn in forever, it's been sitting there and you're like, it's, it's almost like, you know, people go to work and they don't even notice the damn billboards on the highway because they just exist. Mm, yeah. Everyone has items in their life that are those billboards. That's a nice analogy. It's like, um, I don't know what philosopher was saying this. I think it was Francis Fanon. He was saying how in our like phenomenological experience, there's like three versions of ourselves and there's the one that narrates and tells the story of your life. But there's another one that is processing the things that are happening around you. Like I'm sitting in this chair, this desk is here and in my brain, I know what's sitting behind me, even though my eyes and narrating self don't know what's happening. And those two versions of yourself, Mm. they don't talk to each other unless you really try to focus and make those two talk to each other. And so if you're not listening to the version of yourself that's paying attention to experiences and what is actually going on around you, if you're not being intentional in that way, you are going to have those billboards just go unnoticed. Here's an example. You had not used the hangers for drying your clothes I think in a while did you stop doing that at some point last year when we lived together did you always use them what are you talking about the hangers for drying my clothes like the little pin clips oh yeah yeah my clothesline I have it in yeah. my place now but I, I use that thing once the friction was so high at the last apartment for using that mm-hmm. yeah no um, that was a billboard for me I didn't go in your room much but that along with the little uh the rubber band situation oh. you had going on there. Mm-hmm. That's a billboard situation. Okay. That little slot on your room. Yeah. Toss all of that. That That's immediately what I think of. Like I could do it for other people that I know. That's how, that's how trick, not triggered. That's how trained I am to do this mm-hmm. for other people. Cause it's less obvious for me now because the stuff is a little bit more hidden away. Like I don't have anything at a surface level where that I can do that for myself anymore. Like when I, but it, it still impresses me that I, I will like organize things away 
And then when I tried the challenge for the final time, in two hours, I got rid of 150 items. And then I was mm -hmm. toast because I'm like, I went through all of my stuff that was organized, hidden away, and I'm like, I can't get rid of everything else. This is ridiculous. Like, I, 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 will, I will be upset if I got rid of these things. But I immediately was able to go in and be like, yeah, I just stupidly rationalized this and I tossed it. So that's <laughs> where you start. You look for the billboards. Yes. And this is how you know I've come far. I think if you were trying to visualize my room or if you walked into my room right now, you wouldn't see as many clear billboards. I think it's mostly because I've just painted myself into a, a corner here. And that old place, that old room had all those ledges that were just asking for junk to go on it. Oh and junk God. went on it every time. I was a product of my environment through and through. And I'll tell you this. This is one of my favorite analogies from The Minimalists. If you look at Montana, nobody's out here saying damn, look at all this space in Montana. Let's fill that. Let's put some houses in Montana. <laughs> no, they're like, damn, Montana is so pretty. Look at all this space. Space is great. And I want people to start thinking about that from the aspects of the life they live and the places they live in. Like, you go into a room and you see it's full of stuff. You know, well, some of that stuff's pretty good. But let's stop trying to fill the space. The void is the nice thing. Think of Montana. Another nice next tip. <laughs> next tip. Think how you can make that place more like Montana. And I want to do one thing before my self-righteousness gets too far away from me. Um, minimalism does have its drawbacks. Uh, there are people who have made plenty of videos saying where minimalism has gone wrong. And one thing I want to say is this. Don't get to the point where the non-essentials actually get annoyingly low. Like, don't be that person who has, like, three plates. Because then you have people <laughs> over and it just becomes a problem. Don't, have a, don't be a person who just has two chairs in your house. Like, then people come over and it becomes a problem. That's where we start having toxic minimalism, where you start feeling bad about not having things or having too many things that are actually practical. Like, if you have, like, five chairs in your house, it's probably the right number for, mm -hmm. for me. Like, don't have two or three, because then you have guests and it's, it's a whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, this is almost how I interpreted the the just for when rule. They say that it's much more for emergencies, like having just certain things on hand, like like toothpaste or like band-aids. This is a good thing to have in an emergency. But I think the just for when rule can certainly apply to social situations where you're just gonna like be a part of functioning society and have guests over and have to entertain people. But yeah, you should just be prepared for that. And Maybe just get some fold-up chairs and put them in a closet, but you can make it a non-essential. You don't have to get rid of that. Yeah, and you can do things from a, making the non-essentials compact and a little bit better from a space standpoint. But just, just remember this. If, it's, if minimalism is really intentionalism, as a better word, it is not an intentional decision to only have two chairs in your house. If you are trying to live a life where you are relatively social. Now, if you are intentionally being a hermit, you have too many <laughs> chairs. You clown. Unless you want to put your feet up while you're eating like a clown. Just kidding. Um, like, don't have the wrong number for, for you. You know, that's the whole point. Yeah. Like, it, none of it's the right thing. 
But if you're being intentional with the life you live, like for you, at minimum, if you don't have five chairs, I don't, or not in your place, it doesn't make any sense. You live in a college apartment. Like you should have like eight plus. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. With the number of guys who come in and out of this apartment, it's like a revolving door. And there's four people to live here. So we better have at least five chairs. Plus the fact that I come over, you have a lady friend that comes. Every, every guy in that place has a lady friend. Plus other <laughs> people come over. Plus there's social events. Like you got to have a lot of chairs. And that's because you live in a college dorm. But if you lived in a suburban house with a wife in a, in a, whatever, two people married and you mm-hmm. have friends over every once in a while, maybe you need like six. Maybe. Yeah, exactly. Let me get into one thing here. We're almost running out of time. Yeah. I didn't get through all these rules, but I was, I wanted to get into the um, don't upgrade rule because I think I'm quite good mm. with that. I've had the same phone for quite a long time. I think this is good with technology. I've had the same laptop for six years. It's not the perfect laptop. It actually shut down on me today for like 30 minutes. Uh-huh. But hey, it's the one I have and um, it still gets the job done. But the one rule that I wanted to get at here was the are you willing to walk rule? And this reminds me heavily of Henry David Thoreau. I don't know if they pulled it from Henry David Thoreau, but in Walden, there's a quote that he has that I did not pull out for this podcast, but it's something along the lines of everything that you own you should be able to carry on your backpack. Like you should be able to carry it on your back Mm. and move nomadically. And I think this is a place where either I'm doing it wrong or they're doing it wrong. And we're kind of in a a little standoff here. It's like, (laughs) am I willing to walk? Do I have a collection of things that would be everything I need if the house was burning down and I had to run out? Perhaps. How do you feel about this, though? Do you think you have that? I'm a minimalist or some BS, but this is a ridiculous notion. There's a lot of context that you need to, like, hedge on this. Do I have to sustain my life from a monetary standpoint? Mm -hmm. By walking out this door with the stuff on my back. What do you mean by that? So is this at least factoring out the fact that what if I worked at a job where the only, and I'm a video editor, and the only thing I could have is a built desktop or Mac stationary PC because that's all that I could handle, and mm. I don't want to overspend on a laptop that has the same power but costs three time as, times as much? If you uh, factor that out, which I know this is a recent phenomenon, then yes. Mm-hmm. It's possible, but impractical as hell. (laughs) I see what you're saying. I didn't even think about it from a professional or like in my case, academic standpoint. I would just walk out without my laptop. If the house is burning down, I'm saying F school. (laughs) But like if you, if you have to live your life after that moment and, and have to only live with what's in your backpack then you're telling me buy a $3,000 laptop because that would get me the equivalent of what I have as my desktop computer right now that's only cost me 900 bucks. So mm. that's a weird thing to say from a intentional purchase perspective because if I take that $2,000 and put it in the S&P 500 for 40 years, I have like <laughs> $90,000. So what are you talking about? Oh, are we, are we listening to the psychology of money? I think we are. No, but I, 
you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think it's possible. It's a little ridiculous. I think most people can't live like that. And when you when you pitch something like that, you got to Tim Ferriss it and hedge and be like, I don't know what, what you got to do. Do you, sorry, do you Tim Ferriss and just say this is the real thing and then you you have people like imagine it and then go, ah, it's not for me, but it did open my mind a bit. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know where we really go with that point. Hmm. I hear what you're saying. It's almost like the 30 day challenge where it's, it's going to push your barriers, push your boundaries, excuse me, and make you try to do the most. And it's kind of like how they always say about minimalism. It's a tool. It's not a destination. And so as mm. long as you're going along that journey and making it towards more an intentional and minimal life, that's the whole point. It's a hypothetical situation where we imagine us running out of the burning building and getting rid of the things that we would just that would just get in the way of the things that we actually wanted to grab because they're so cluttered. I think that's great. I think it's a perfect point. Um, I think we're both kind of in agreement as well. Just last thing on that. I do. I, I will say, yeah, it's, it's another tool like the 30 day challenge to get you to the point of having less things. Now, final question before we close things out. Do you feel you are more minimal than you were prior? Yes or no? Prior to living with moi. Oh, living with moi. Absolutely. I think I'm far from being like a full fledged minimalist. I recognize it. I recognize it. But I think that in a lot of ways, I've been a lot more intentional intentional with the (laughs) items that I own. Even recently, I have this like little like kind of like set up over here by my bedside where it's got like you used to have plants over there and like some other just junk that I would just throw in there. Like I have my LSAT books still in there, which I now know I can officially throw away. But um, I just had some junk in there and I was like, I'm going to get rid of this. I'm going to wipe off the dust and just make this look a little nice. I'm going to convert it into where like where I put a, a Chemex and maybe like uh, I really want to get like a nice uh, gooseneck um, water boiler. Like what do you, what do you call this? Oh yeah, yeah. Like a little like teapot thing. Sure. I want to get like a good little setup over there because I want to have nice purchases and upgrade my life. But in the first place, as I say, I had to minimize my, my things. And so I think it's something I'm very conscious of. I think it's a mindset shift that I've certainly triggered. It's not always on, but it turns on a lot more than it used to when I just kept everything, every last receipt. <laughs> good. I think that's, that's the better way to go. And, for your life, if that you feel that's the better way to go, then I'm happy for you. Um, my final, final thoughts on this are, I think you are more minimalist than you were prior. I agree. I'm happy with it. And um, just as an aside to the audience, if you did make it this far, I want to point out to you how we managed to like get this far into a topic and we had so much more we could dive into. So if you're interested in us like doing this, Plus, like we're obviously cutting ourselves off. We probably have another room of hour to talk. If you're interested in something like that, leave a review. Let us know. We're going to try to do an extended version of these podcasts moving forward so that, you know, we spend a little bit more time. You guys give us a little kickback for premium long form content. And um, thank you guys so much for listening to episode 92 of the Rise Productive Podcast. We really appreciate it. And we will see you in the next one. Bye. Bye.